We're rolling. Oh. I'm going to count us down. All right. Three. Yep. Two. You lost nobody's bitch. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey guys, this is Future Tari. I just wanted to jump in before we get started and let you know, just in case you didn't hear from Missing Out Mondays, but I am out of town dealing with some family issues. Everything's chill, nothing to worry about, but Lex and I didn't want to leave you high and dry, so we recorded this short episode talking about the one and we thought that we would do something a little different just give you a little quickie just so you still can have a little bit of missing out in your life so uh enjoy the show and i'll probably wrap up at the end all right see you soon hey guys welcome back to missing out i'm tari J. am lex michael if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be music, television, movies, spoken word, books, experiences, uh, and we talk about how those things have built us as people, and we share it with you, the audience, and hope that it builds you. We are the <laughs> retrospective that's introspective. You made it. It's it's good. <laughs> we made it through. Oh, man. Um <laughs> Cool. Lex, um, I introduced the topic today, which was The One, the 2001 movie directed by James Wong, uh, starring Jason Statham, Jet Li, Carla Gurgino. 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 Kurgles Gurgingen. Or as she's known in most circles, Carla, they made me watch Gurgino. (laughs) They made me watch Gurgingen. Yeah. Yeah. this is uh, this was one of my favorite movies when I was growing up, or when I was at least in high school. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I thought I would share. I feel like it's super underrated. So I feel like this next hour is going to be me being like, "But guys, it's so cool because of this thing." Um, that may in fact be the next hour. I think that that is That's, what it's going to be. A feeling there's going to be a lot of that. I feel like most people g- don't give it enough credit. Um, I was a big Jet Li fan. Um, since I first saw him in Lethal Weapon 4. Which the, was like, that was his big introduction to American audiences, I yeah. think, was Lethal Weapon 4, where he was mostly silent. Yeah. And he just tr- kung fu Riggs and Murtaugh at every, at every turn. Hell Didn't yeah. He, he took the gun apart super fast, right? I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then just, it's, at the end, right, he's like, they're, they're walking away, and it's like, just walk away. And he's like, but I want to know how he does that. Don't you want to know how he does that? Let's go ask him. All right, let's go ask him. Mm-hmm. And then they fight. <laughs> I like those movies. Um, yeah. But was that right? Like the story is that on set, he would move so quickly. Like he would do all of his moves, all of his fight choreography so fast that they actually had to instruct him. Like Donner had to instruct him to slow down a little bit if possible because the camera was not able to pick up his motion. He oh, was moving probably. so quickly. Yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like that's a really common issue when it comes to people who are actual martial artists like uh wesley snipes would talk about that a lot how he essentially would have to punch at like half speed just because a full speed punch would it would look like he didn't move on the camera or just like, because or like he twitched speed. weird or something like right. or like what'd you just do with your arm it was yeah was like, you're all right wes um so like i i've, I've heard that about him gently also um uh Michael Jai White, mm-hmm. uh, who was Spawn, if you're unfamiliar with Michael Jai White. Um, but yeah, it's because like 
if you're doing the, an efficient punch, it's it's a, a fragment of a second. But like you can only uh, uh, cameras can only capture a certain amount of frames per second. And 24. so like, well, it depends on the camera. Also depends on film, what you're shooting for. Film, film bro, twenty four purist. Okay. Pure, purity. Twenty three nine eight. Anything 20, other than twenty four frames eight? a second is unclean. <laughs> It is that what is film? Film is truth that twenty four frames a second. The Hobbit would beg to differ, so bro. Ridiculous. Yeah, 40, sixty 48. frames, mother. What is it? No, was it like forty eight FPS or was it sixty? Uh, it was either one of those two. I didn't see it, so I don't. I don't. Know. <laughs> well, you missed out, bro. Oh, uh, yeah. So did I? Did I miss out? Did I miss out on the one? What? Why? Okay. So you discovered this in theaters, presumably, like when it played two thousand one. Oh yeah, was, it, was its release? So you discovered it on its initial run. Uh, yes, I saw the the commercial and I was like, I gotta be, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta watch that first day, bruh. I gotta, I gotta be in the room where it happened. But I didn't say that because that phrase wasn't in the zeitgeist. Yeah, it wasn't a thing yet. Yeah, or, or maybe I, I came were, up with it. Yeah, you were super prescient. Yeah, uh, like and, like uh, Lin Manuel Miranda was like seated three seats over from you, and he heard you say it to a friend, and he was like, wait a minute. <laughs> he like put put down his copy of the like Chernow book yeah. that he was reading. He's like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. I fucking got it. I fucking got it. I fucking got it. Somebody's like, shut up, because he's in a movie theater. <laughs> right, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so yeah, uh, Lynn, where's where my residge? Where where residges. my resies, bro? Where my residges? Well, yeah, yeah. You know, I, at least just for that song. Every every time yeah. someone plays it on Spotify, you got to give it. G- give me them fractions of a penny. Um, but, uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I saw it in theaters for the first time and then I saw it another time in theaters and then I got the DVD from Blockbuster and then I watched all these special features. Uh, and then I got it the next weekend and then I got it the next weekend. So you really like, and I now own the DVD because I like it. All right. Okay. (laughs) So you, you're a big you're a big fan then. Uh yeah. Uh Lex, what was your first impression? Oh man, I have many. So I okay. This felt to me like a really fun like B, B movie for sure, but like a B movie concept. But that's not I don't mean that in a disparaging way. Like some of my favorite movies are very firmly B movie concepts. Yeah. Um a really fun B movie B movie concept. That then just got studio noted so aggressively that it eventually like collapsed under the weight of all of that paper. Interesting. That's that's my big like. And okay, so what's interesting to me is I didn't realize until I I had finished watching the movie and like the credits started to come up, and I was like, wait, is it that James Wong? And then written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, I was like, holy fuck, it's it's Glenn Morgan and James Wong are are two of the biggest creative minds behind the x-files as Mm. people understand like chris carter created the show but uh it was him and like a handful of people like him and um like uh, kim manners frank spotnitz um but glenn morgan and james wong uh in the days like pre vince gilligan they were two of the biggest creative minds shaping what the show eventually became then i think they they left i want to say season four to go do like space above and beyond 
Um, and I think they came back to the show a little bit later. But then they went off and they did movies. They co-created the Final Destination series. Okay. Um, yeah. Which was the year before, I think. The first Final Destination was 2000, I think. I believe so, because I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be, be the year before uh, the one. But it feels like, yeah, they had their first kind of big movie success. Uh-huh. And then they went, you know what it is? It's like, th- this feels like they're, uh, they're mall rats. Okay. To me. I don't know if that, I don't, I guess I don't really have specific context as, for what as, that means. In as much as, um, although I, I like mall rats more than I think I liked the one overall. <laughs> um, in as much as, in as much as there's their, their first movie came out and it was a big success, especially of its kind. Uh, and then they go and they do their second movie and they're like, oh, okay, this has got to be like a sure-ish thing, right? Like, look at all these concepts. Like, we got all the even more studio money. We got like super big movie stars and stuff. Look at this concept. It's great. And then the studio's like, but we should kind of do studio thing, yeah? Yeah, we're going to do studio thing, studio stuff, studio way. We're going to like release it studio way too. And then everybody was like, this doesn't work. Interesting. So, but I, but like then Mallrats came to be beloved later in a way that maybe the one is, and I just don't run in those circles. Maybe, yeah, you're not in it's one. It's not really circles. a good. It's not a good analogy. It doesn't really <laughs> hold up. It's more just like they had their first movie and their second movie didn't so, wasn't perceived to work in the same way. Is really the only got analogy. It. So, it doesn't really hold up. Right. It sounds like a long way of saying a sophomore slump. Um, maybe. Maybe, but. We gotta like we, we gotta we gotta dig in a little bit. Well, there's... yeah. So I have an assortment of questions about your feedback. <laughs> like this is a, a a review. This is a job review. I have some specific questions about your feedback. I think your that opinions I have some are bullshit. With. If um... I may be frank, <laughs> is some, some fucking horde. You. You're not entitled to your feelings, sir. No. I mean, I wonder if some of that feeling. <laughs> Jet Li is my son. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What? No, uh, I wonder if some of that feeling is because, like, so this movie was originally slated to be a, a rock vehicle. I, I when I read that, I went, "Wow!" Like, I, picturing how different the movie would have been, and how I do think it might have been a stronger movie. Not just because Dwayne Johnson, then of course known primarily as The Rock. I think this was only a couple years after, like, Mummy Returns, which was his first. Um, movie. Well, actually, he left. Yeah, this he left this movie. To do Scorp- or Mummy Returns. But I thought Mummy Returns was like 99. I know the first Mummy was 99. Yeah. Mummy Returns would have been the same year. That's right. right. Okay. Uh, that tracks. Either that one or the Scorpion King. One of those two. Now, yeah, he, yeah. Wasn't a, he wasn't a full-fledged movie star yet, but he was still like he became a movie star because he was always that charismatic. So he's one of the most charismatic people on the planet, yes. But also because I feel like, uh, I feel like Jet Li had not fully come into his own as an actor yet. Okay. Um, he eventually, I think, started to find his niche as a performer. And I don't just mean, like, guy who does fights. I mean, like, his actual, like, character niche as a performer. Yeah. In a way that I feel like he hadn't quite yet. Um, so, so, like, for example, he's playing these dual roles. And the whole movie, I don't really feel necessarily like they're all that different from each other. Except that one guy is scowly and one guy isn't. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. so so much so that there are scenes where I really had to like track little details on their outfits to be able to keep track of who was who and I understand that there are ways you can play like play that for drama. Yeah. Um but it didn't feel intentional to me. It felt like I was supposed to be able to track a little bit better who was who. Mm. But the only the only distinguishing 
thing, like in, in terms of the way he was playing it, really the only distinguishing factor was that one guy scowls a little bit more. <laughs> but when the other dude, when the when the good uh, Gabe, when Gabe is in peril, yeah, you can't tell them apart because they're both scowling. Maybe I mean, well, they are in this by way of the movie. They are literally the same person. So like telling them apart behaviorally. I don't know if you're necessarily like, I guess maybe one could but, have like a scar in his face or something. No, but like, I mean like one of them is literally a, a psychopath who's been murdering, who's literally now murdered. If he's murdered nobody, but versions of himself, which is unlikely. <laughs> no, we see him murder other people. Yeah. He murders so a lot of people. Even if, even if uh, Delroy Lindo uh, was the first ancillary person he had ever murdered, he's still been murdered. He's murdered over 120 different versions of himself that has to impact. Like after that much murder, you, your behavior has to be a little bit different, I would think. I mean, he's he's he plays him pretty callously. I mean, I think at this point, you you'd imagine that for you law, like especially all these people who aren't a part of his own universe, they're just like pixels to him. Where he's just like, yeah, 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 pow, 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 pow. You you don't matter because you're not my universes. Pow, 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 pow. Like, cause I based. Oh, go ahead. No, right, but I'm saying like I see that. I, I I see that, but I I I want I don't know, man. What do you want from I don't Jet know. Li? I don't know. What do know. you want him to give you? I don't know what I want from Jet Li. Um, I want I want like Expendables Jet Li. Mm, didn't what did he do in, in Expendables? Didn't he just like show up and leave? <laughs> he was pretty. <laughs> Kind of. <laughs> no, that's not what I mean, though. I want Jet Li to show up. I want this movie to just be Jet Li being like, hey, hey guys, I gotta go. I gotta take a call. <laughs> and then the rest of the movie is just uh, it's just people being like, I feel like someone else is supposed to be here. Yeah, where'd he what? go? It's just, no, it's all Delroy Lindo and Jason Statham looking around like, where is he? It's just that for an hour and a half. Um no, like I, I mean, like just uh, at that point in his film career, I think he had eased into himself a little bit more as an actor. Yeah, that, but that's not even necessarily what I mean. I don't know. There's some un, un, uh, untouchable thing that I feel like was missing for me in Jet Li's dual performance. Interesting, but the fights were great. I mean, the fights were really great. Like, I think that that is something that, uh, you got, you were able to get with Jet Li as opposed to like having the rock in there where so in the special features of the dvd they show the initial animatics of what they thought the fights were going to be like when they were initially writing for the rock and they were going to have him be more of a brawler more of That's a kind of yeah at a certain point in the movie towards the end it occurred to me like wait well the rock's not a martial artist so how is how are these sequences going to play and i was yeah, like it's either got to be like he's a brawler or what like he boxes I guess. Just boxes like, yeah. his way One's a them? boxer and one's a kickboxer. It's like a Ryu Kin thing, you know? He's like, I do Muay Thai. Pop, pop. Um, that's how The Rock talks. Um, but, like, so talking about the martial arts. <laughs> Can you smell what The Rock's cooking? <laughs> Can you smell it? Smell it! <laughs> Get your finger out of my face. This man Stop will it. never be the biggest star on the planet. <laughs> um... But, uh, yeah, and so speaking of the martial arts, like, it was really cool that, like, Jet Li was able to bring the his essentially two styles of kung fu to these two characters um, in that, like, the, the symbolism between the two different styles was what motivated their characters. Just, like, 
um, Eulaw having the more linear style. Um, he he practiced. I think I wrote it as um, Zhi Ying Kuang, um, which is very like direct fighting style. Whereas um, Gabe does Bagua Zhang, which is very circular, very much about finding. It's like uh, the the main symbol in. Uh, the eight trigrams palm style, which is what that translates to, um, is like a, a, a like yin yang symbol. Um, so it's all about that uh, that balance. Um, so I, I, I like that that was able to that was able to be showcased because I couldn't I I honestly couldn't imagine what this movie would have been if it were The Rock just like chasing himself down, hanging out. I guess he would have just been like a doo uses guns and he would have been like i uh look at me i am a gun guy oh damn uh, and then his other side would have been like really friendly and he would have been like i don't use guns i'm i'm a nice guy like i can't imagine what those two versions of the rock would have been i feel like that's a little bit like what the rundown is about except it's just you just track the good version and yeah. then at the end the good version and the bad version fuse Mm-hmm. Have you seen the rundown? Yes. It's about a man in the jungle who hangs out with Sean William Scott who spends an hour and 40 minutes going, I don't use guns. I never use guns. Don't touch them. Don't get that gun away from me. Put that gun down, you yeah. piece of shit. I don't touch that fucking gun <laughs> fucking mess. I don't get get it away. Put it in your ass. I don't touch them. I don't like them at all. Get them guns out my face. And then at the end... What is revealed is that the reason he's so anti-gun is that when he picks up guns, he's so good at firing guns at people that (laughs) everyone dies. Yeah, I get it. You know, that's why I don't play the piano. Because Uh, because I'm just so good at it. it. People Uh, die. Like they listen and then their soul like leaves their body because they become so fulfilled. You you literally rapture people. Right. Um, So if you ever ask me to play the piano, I definitely will not. Or I'll play it really badly just for your own sake. I'll be like, I'm I'm saving you right now. For your own good. For your own good. And then everyone's faces start melting, like Raiders of the Raiders of the Lark Ark, Lark Ark, Raiders of the Ark Light. I also I think something I also really like about this movie were their multiverse rules, which. Now, as an adult, I think when I was a kid, I was just like, multiverse, cool. Um, but, like, they actually had rules. They were like, each, every time a star, a giant star dies, another universe is created. And that explains why there's a finite amount of universes, which is really cool. That's true. In almost every story that I've read or seen where they address a multiverse, there is always, it does seem like this arbitrary limited number. Right. So I appreciate that they at least offered an explanation for why there's an arbitrary limited number. Yeah. And it also like leads you to real, like it also makes more sense because um, it's easier to be like, this guy killed a hundred people as opposed to being like, this guy is killing an infinity number of people. Right. And we don't, there will never be a one, but he just keeps doing it. Right. Like your whole premise is sort of predicated on the idea that at a certain point you can be done killing them all. Right. Yeah. Um. So you, you, you mentioned that you feel like this, movie was really noted 
to death. So, like, what do you feel like was, in terms of, like, the concept versus execution, what do you feel like was essentially kind of more of an executive note versus, like, the original creative? Uh, The two things that pop into my head first are the way they dole out exposition, like, uh, almost invariably in the clunkiest way possible. And I wish I had taken more notes of examples. Yeah. Um. But like every like the first third of the movie, because you have to set up who everybody is and their relationship and stuff and, and, and kind of what everybody's doing there. Every bit of expository dialogue was just dropped in the most ham-fisted way possible in a way that really felt because like I've I've watched a whole bunch of X-Files episodes that these guys have written and they tend not to be that ham-fisted. Yeah. Um, so that felt to me like some exec going like, well, you mean you need to add a line about how like. You know, like the how long have we been brothers type of fucking line. Right. Um, and the other is the soundtrack. Like in uh, a real big way, this just feels like, all right, well, what are the kids like? All right. What what record label do we own? All right. Who's on that? Great. You're putting those songs in the movie. First of all, that soundtrack was killer. Okay. It is not that my soundtrack. I was... did. When I was that age, I liked Disturbed a little bit, I think. Yeah. But and not like not more than a small handful of songs. I don't think I knew more than a small handful of songs. Well, you should dive back in because Disturbed was dope. Um, especially once they got past their like, oh, we're going to be like weird for weird sake. Ow. And like they started getting like political and stuff like damn, bruh, Disturbed, is, they got it. Um, and we also got what else do we get? We got some Drowning Pool. That's uh, two Drowning Pool songs. Hell yeah. Uh, some Power Man 500. Some couple of Papa Roach tunes. Hell Yeah. You know, this, this, the soundtrack was booming. I would play that shit in my car. Ooh. Uh, Ooh, yeah, I can, girl. I, I go it. run into that. I can picture it. Hell yeah. yeah. And if, if you're going to fight, you might as well fight to some dang good rock, bruh. It didn't feel like it fit the movie to me. Or no, it didn't feel like, um, it felt like a 12-year-old's idea of cool, I guess is the <laughs> best way for me to put it. Every time he starts fighting and they kick in like like drowning pool or disturbed, I'm just like God, like you, you're, you're joking though, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I, it makes that tracks since I was like 14 when I watched this movie. That makes so much sense to me. How like uh, like uh, an 11 to 15 year old I think could fall in love with this. Yeah, yeah. Because um, they were also this is just like a side note. Um, they were also doing shit like that with like. Dragon Ball Z movies so they would essentially sub in contemporary like alt rock instead of like the original Japanese score um, which was real weird so if like if you ever go back to like the Lord Slug movie there's a bunch of Disturbed in there and Drowning Pool uh, Dust for Life like a bunch of shit that doesn't belong but I dig it yeah but I love it all right oh yeah if you're gonna fight you better fight to some dope shit bro and that's it that's what you gotta fight to. It just didn't feel. Gotta... It didn't feel appropriate. It just didn't feel <laughs> like it fit in that movie to me. What I mean, would what would you rather it be like orchestrated, like orchestra, or like um, uh, com- all com- all King Diamond, King Diamond, all King Where Diamond. Like, We're gonna fight, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, he's just wailing on people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that could have worked, you know? Um, I, I liked it because it, it had a very like early 2000s feel to it. 
Like, so I, st- I still dig that. Like, cause I know that now, like, it's all about like having an actual like score and soundtrack and stuff like that. Like you rarely see, um, you rarely see non-diegetic, like full albums. Um, like even when, uh, Kugler did the black Panther, like he had his score, which yeah. was like scoring the the movie, but then he also had his like album, which had like people or like rap artists and, and, and R&B stars doing songs inspired by, but like not included in the movie. Um, so I feel like it was like late nineties, early two thousands was it was a shining time for them just throwing songs that they felt like were apt in the movies. Um, especially because I think I have a, a weird appreciation for when a song is basically just yelling at you what's happening in the, in the movie. Like, like there are times when, because like they they are appropriate in that like when he's about to beat people up, its bodies hit the floor. Um, <laughs> when he's when he's doing something crazy, it's down with the sickness. Right. But then when he's fighting himself, it's like generation to kill ourselves, bro. It like it works, dude. Uh, it's too. I I've always had kind of the opposite reaction where it just makes me cringe a little bit every time the music selection is that on the nose. I love it. Uh, you maybe maybe. You need to like take a step back from yourself, really like immerse yourself in the moment and think about how well it works. You don't even have to think about it because it tells you he's a sinner. You look at him, but you don't see, understand he's a sinner. <laughs> it's just like Seinfeld did that. He's a sinner. He's a sinner. Yeah. Did you not know that that song is by what? If uh, okay, the one, but starring Jerry Seinfeld in uh-huh. dual roles. Okay. Um, that what's the deal with there being 124 other versions of me? Oh man, this What's is killer. What's the deal with the That's him from the earth where all of his jokes are just jiffer. What's the deal with So in this version is is the instead of like a fight off, they have like a, a stand-up competition and whoever uh whoever dies on stage. Yeah, whoever whoever uh bombs the hardest. Yeah. Is, is eradicated <laughs> right and i like to imagine that like the other one has to be eaten like like you have to just consume their flesh and jerry seinfeld's like it's your part of me and <laughs> yeah but the ending weirdly is still exactly the same he's in the hades dimension fighting all of the fucking people on top of that giant structure yeah we don't know why we because, don't know why this is where I guess when you bomb that hard on stage, you go to the fight dimension. <laughs> they were very I mean, I guess it's it's clear right right up top that subtlety is not really an aim of this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, but really, really unsubtle. Uh, in many ways, not the least of which is when you're uh, their version of the Phantom Zone, essentially, uh, from the from the look of it, is uh, oh my god, it's the Stygian facility. Or something like that in the Hades dimension. Okay. So Hades, obviously hell. Stygian, yeah, it, it can mean very dark, but Stygian is just relating to the river Styx. Right. So really, really not subtle. No. Really would, not subtle. It's basically, you... it's basically going like, you criminal, go to hell, and then just like taking it all the way. I mean, but like, why would you want your 
prison dimension or your prison planet to be subtle. Like you don't want it to be called like flower pancake puppy zone. Optics, man. No. No, yeah, you want optics. you want people to be scared. You don't Dem- want opti- you optics. want them to not want to go there. Nah, man, you got to placate the left. Ooh, got to use euphemistics. Oh, got to use them euphemies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think they used euphemistics on my puppy a couple days ago. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> that's stark. <laughs> it's dead now, isn't it? I don't know. It's no. That's what happens said, when you give somebody euphemistic? They said it's. They said it's on the, on the, on the cupcake but bone planet and sector G. Jesus. Yeah. Is that not? Is, wait. Did someone lie to me? That wasn't a veterinarian at did, all. Did that was lie to that me. That was gently and killed your dog. <laughs> and then he, then he threw his arms up and was like, "You are mine." Yep. That's how uh, that's how he did that. I really I like um, I like the prisoner who comments on his mouth. Uh huh. The prettiness of his mouth. Um. Yeah. Uh, I would say that this movie doesn't age great in terms of like in terms of like anything. Progr- no. Fight scenes still dope. Fight scenes are right. Um, uh, although in terms of special effects, right there is. Uh, they're a little wobbly. Um, there's a point in the movie where Jet Li is fighting Jet Li, and you can see completely through one of the Jet Li's at one point when he's on the ground. Because uh-huh. I guess he wasn't keyed in properly. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you know. But. But. They were great for the time. And the the sequence where he is in regular motion and everyone else is in slow motion still holds up. Still holds up. I don't know if it does. It still does. And it, it was the first of its kind. Was it? I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah. Where he's in regular motion and everything else is in slow motion? When when else have you seen that? I don't know. They haven't, like, Matrix. My house. At your house? Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, I was on drugs. Yeah. And everything was going in slow motion, but I was going regular motion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. No, I've uh, seen people going fast. Yeah. I guess while everything else is a regular speed. Right. But I haven't seen people going faster while everything else was also going slower. Right. And you have to realize that, like, all those people weren't even people. Those were all CG dummies. Yep. He was kicking tennis balls. You didn't even realize because you're like, oh, damn. Delroy Lindo so is a well- tennis ball? Yep. He was a tennis ball. He's a hell of an actor. I know. Uh, he made it very far for just being a tennis ball. That just that goes to show you guys, like you can do anything if you set your mind to it. You want to be a you want to be a famous actor, and you're only a tennis ball. It can happen. Don't let nobody tell you different. Don't let nobody tell you good. All right, guys, that was our talk about the one. Uh, I think that the general consensus was Lex wasn't a huge fan and I uh, or Pastari is still the biggest fan of the movie and he wishes that they would make another one because it was amazing. If they don't, then he will go off and do his own thing, making his own The One. Um, but let us know if you are a fan of The One. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. 
You can also uh, leave us a voice message at 978-MISS-OUT. That number again is 978-MISS-OUT. And you can let us know uh, either what you thought of the one or you can let us know what you're into for the week and we'll include it on Missing Out Mondays. Um, And that's it. So thank you again for listening. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this little quickie about uh, Jet Li's The One. And we hope to see you next week. Until then, take care. Bye. Uh, What we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be music, television. (laughs) It's just the uh, I'm stuck on the uh. (laughs) Like you weren't sure for a second. (laughs) I had to get back in the groove. This is why we need the occasional scripted bit, man. No, dude. we don't sound... Oh, like we're unsure of what we're doing. I just, I just lost my rhythm. I was uh, in it. I was there. All right, and all then right. I got sucked back out. Just when you think you're out, you get sucked <laughs> right, right back Re- out. Reconstructed in your head for yourself. Lower into it like a bath, like a cool bath over your over your nude form. Uh huh. Okay. And once you've dipped into that bath, and you're turning all nice and warm and wet and pruney. Then go. Got it. Okay. That makes it sound like I just peed. (laughs) A little bit. Uh, Okay. I'm back in it. If this is your first time listening. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like going to choke on my coffee. Oh, jeez. That's really good. This has all got to (laughs) stay. This is the best part of the show. Can I'll, I'll it's so it's so good. You almost killed me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. I could have died. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna mark it. I'm gonna mark it. Future Tari, you'll thank me. <laughs> <laughs>